Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. This podcast is all about developing your voice as a journalist and developing the skills to harness that voice. A lot has changed since the last time I spoke with you. You've heard me before talking about my daughter roaming the house. Well, now I have too. So if you hear any crying going on behind me, that's what's going on. And I'm running a workshop as well. If you're interested in two days of star-studded storytelling advice, sign up now for the NPPA Virtual Video Storytelling Workshop coming Friday, August 7th and Saturday, August 8th. It is all online. All you need is an internet connection. Two dozen top-notch journalists will be discussing subjects from COVID-19 to dominating on digital to standing out on your own. Register now at nppa.org, and I've got the direct link in this episode's show notes on tellingthestoryblog.com. And oh yes, the world has changed in one momentous way since we last spoke. We're now in the middle of a global pandemic. COVID-19 has affected all of us in so many ways, including the ways that we journalists do our jobs. I've invited today as my guest one of the speakers at the Virtual Video Storytelling Workshop. He has done a marvelous job at remaining committed and creative despite our many newfound limitations. He's a senior photojournalist at KUSA-TV in Denver. He is simply brilliant behind the camera, at the computer, and in virtually every way you'd want from someone with his title. Chris Hansen, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Matt Pearl, you are too kind. You know, we've known each other for a long time. We've worked together, actually, on on a couple of projects, despite not working in the same newsroom. And it's always such a pleasure and such an inspiration to get to work with you. Um, let me ask you, first and foremost, how are you right now? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, all things uh, considered. How has your life changed since this pandemic uh you can talk personally if you want to, but certainly professionally and as a photojournalist who who thrives at just diving into stories and shooting the heck out of them, how has your life changed? Well, I think uh, I think there's been a a closeness that we're all missing, um, whether that's closeness to our families and friends and that physical, I guess, kind of near being. Um, that we're we're all missing as we distance, um, and that's also extended into my work life. Um, you know, I think that's one thing we strive on or strive towards is to getting close to people, both physically and uh, emotionally, and trying to create a space where people feel comfortable opening up to us and and letting us in, and you know. COVID-19 has certainly, uh, it's, it's given, it's, it's put out some barriers, I'd say, Hmm. um, in doing that. When, when did you, uh, and, and I ask this as someone who was on paternity leave for the first two weeks of all of this. So I kind of missed all of the shuffling of, uh, of limitations and the mass exodus from the newsroom as we all just, you know, retreated to our homes but when did you first realize what the basic standard was going to be moving forward for what you could and could not do as a photojournalist? I think it's changed every day. I feel like <laughs> it's changed every day for the last four months. You know, I from being able to work at the station to 
everyone going home to now we're going to do newscasts from home. Now we're going to have reporters at home. Now we're going to have our um, newscasts anchored remotely um, to just as far as like, we're not going to shoot video indoors because we're not going to put ourselves in that space. We're not going to use wireless microphones because again, it's getting close. It's contact with people. Um, there was a, you know, was and is a worry about um, particulates on surfaces. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really evolved every day. And, and I think every state, every station, you know, looks at their state numbers and what, what is happening and tries to monitor and flex um, as things change because they, they are, they are changing very quickly. And it, and it felt early on, it felt like, like thing, so many things were happening so quickly that it was hard to keep up with. Hmm. Now, are you, are you someone who, you know, when you're out and you're, and you're pursuing a story, are you one of those who's like, well, let me see if I can get permission to do this one thing this time, or maybe try this one thing that might go against the, the rules, but I'm going to ask and see if I can do it this one time. Or are you the opposite kind of, nope, I'm, if, that, if that's the rule, I am staying 12 feet back. If they're saying six feet, put me 12 feet back and, and I'm going to protect myself and, and, and everything that goes with that. I think I found a nice balance between the two. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think certainly um, myself and Herbs, Chris Vanderveen, there's been a lot of us that have been working with our management just to try to figure out what the best practices for the staff is going to be and how we will, how we should, you know, approach the case by case basis. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I've, I've asked for things, but that's our, there's already been probably weeks worth of discussions for, you know, even to have the ability to ask. Hmm. Now, I want to dive into some of your work, and, and you sent me about a half dozen just really great and distinct examples of some of the work that you've been doing since COVID-19, much of it with Chris Vanderveen, who is such a talented reporter and writer and, you know, recently has been has been making such a name for himself on the investigative side, but he is, uh, you know, in everything he does, just a premier storyteller, and I wanted to dive into some of the pieces that you two have done together. Um Starting with the Arveda woman who came home after two weeks in the hospital, and you mentioned some of the restrictions and how you got around that. This was a piece where it looked like every interview you did, you had the person you were interviewing, You essentially it looked like you set up across the street and had whoever you were interviewing outside and on a phone with, I'm guessing, Chris Vanderveen. Is that is that right? Yeah, so... Um... I, I think in a in another piece early on, it was at a, a liquor store after the a stay at home order was issued, and whether liquor stores were going to be an essential business or not. And you know, we, that's how we talked to people. It was we, that's when I first tried it was just to have them call my phone, stick the phone to the microphone. They can talk on it like they normally would. You have some. Uh, you have some sync issues just because there's a delay and, you know, going up to the cell towers and back down. So I had to fix, you know, tweak that in post. Um, 
but yeah, in, in Nancy's neighborhood in Nevada, we, uh, you know, we talked to our neighbors and we had them outside and had them call our phone. And that's how we got, you know, that's the closest we could get to getting clean audio. Was there a feeling in your mind, you know, obviously 99% of interviews that you see now on television, local or national or anything are through zoom or some kind of video, uh, you know, digital video recording. Was there an impulse in your mind to want to get away from that and try to shoot in the field however you could to make it work? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a, for me, there's always a draw to having a camera and being in a place and 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 trying to capture the the feelings and the the sense of the place. And really this story about Nancy, as much as it was about her battle with COVID, um, it was also about her neighborhood and her neighbors. And, you know, when we, we didn't have anything set up when we went, went up there, we just kind of walked, walked the streets of her neighborhood and saw who we could find. So that was literally, you were just walking through the neighborhood and would see people on their front porches or on the, you know, on the lawn playing and, and be like, Hey, can we interview you for a story? Yeah. I mean, well, certainly anytime you have, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I know this is a photographer and every time you have a camera and you're walking through the streets of a na- neighborhood, it will, it will generate some interest. Just people are interested in you and what you're doing. <laughs> and that's an often a great way to say, Oh, we're doing a story on a um, woman down the street who's battling COVID and being released and is at home. And you either get a, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, COVID was here. Or you get a, oh, I'm so glad Nancy's home. You know, we were really worried about her. Hmm. And that's, you know, so then we say, can we, can we chat with you about it? You know, one of the things we always talk about when it comes to photojournalism is anticipation and, you know, being able to anticipate where somebody is going to move. So, and having your camera in that position or, or being able to anticipate what someone's reaction to something might be. And this is really anticipation of a a different kind, both as a photojournalist and as a reporter on Chris Vanderveen's end about just having the faith that if you were to, just go down the street of this neighborhood with your camera that you would find people who'd want to talk. I'm interested as to, you know, was there any doubt that that was going to work when you thought of this idea or how did you, how did you discuss that? how did you decide this is what we need to do? Well, I think, uh, I think always just putting yourself out there and dedicating time towards something. Um, I'm always, I'm always confident that it's going to work out because I think I'm just persistent enough that hmm. uh, if, if it doesn't right away, I'll put some more time and effort towards it um, until it will. And, you know, that was, and, you know, that was probably just the first, first means of uh, trying to find some people who knew Nancy. I guess we could have, after Nancy was released from the hospital, we could have, followed up with her and said, Hey, who, who are the neighbors you're closest with? Could you reach out to them? Could you pass along our number and see what they'd want to chat with us? Um, but really just in a, I think just in a morning we found, you know, three neighbor, three neighbors that we chatted with two of whom knew her. Wow. Very, very cool. I want to move to a different story you did about a military man who 
was buried, and it was a unique situation for him, and also a unique way that you decided to approach the visuals for the story. So why don't you talk a little bit about the story and how you did it using just photos. Um, stories on Raymond Roy, who is a, a homeless homeless veteran. Um, he passed away of COVID. Um, the nursing home that I think was in a rotation of nursing, or not, I'm sorry, not nursing home, funeral home, that was in a rotation um, with the county, um, received Mr. Roy, and then they did some looking into and found out that he was a, he was a veteran. Um, and so they wanted to have a, have a service. They wanted to have honors for him. Um, I, I've done a number of stories on homeless vets and their passing and their funerals and, you know, word spreads out. I've done a number of stories in Casper, Wyoming, where there's a large veteran community and just the show of support that's there. Has, was, has been awe-inspiring. Um, this was a little different. This, uh, this piece, there was, you know, a handful of people in the funeral home. You know, there were many, 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 many more seats empty than were filled at the service. But it was still, I think, an important show um, for Mr. Roy in what they did for him. And then also interesting who, who showed up for him, who showed up for him that day. And so talk about the use of the photos. Um, I think... Uh, and black and white, too, I should mention, also. Yeah, I think COVID has certainly um, caused us to think about, rethink about everything we do, and um, also maybe has not allowed us to, the tools that we typically have used. And so I think it's spurred on quite a bit of creativity, as far as how how can we do this differently? How because I can't do it how I would traditionally do it. Um, you know, traditionally I would probably just have an ENG camera and I'd have a wireless mic and or maybe two, and I'd have the funeral home director mic'd up. Um, and I wasn't wasn't doing any of that, and and this was a case where um, when he asked about asking for permission, I had to ask permission to even. Um, shoot inside i had kind of initially thought well maybe i won't be able to do that inside the funeral home and so then i'll go out to fort logan with them um, for the burial or where it will be outside and i've you know gotten the okay to do that um and as far as stills went um i've been trying to do a little more still work over the last few months and um kind of realized I had two um, DSLR bodies available to me and I thought well I could just have bring two lenses with two bodies and be able to work pretty efficiently um, and and the thing about the service is that um, there's not a lot there's not there's not a lot happening you know people show up for the service they spoke for a bit um, they approached uh, Mr. Roy and some veterans there saluted him and they left. And so when I was thinking about video wise, you know, those moments in time would happen pretty quickly. And so the idea of using 
using the stills is that I could capture those moments and somehow, you know, kind of prolong them on television because of it. I like that a lot. And uh, as we move forward with this, this is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Chris Hansen of KUSA-TV in Denver, senior photojournalist. Chris, I, I, I really want to dive into your pre-shoot process, if we can. I know, you know, one of the experiences I've had uh, with you in the same building is when you came to Atlanta to cover uh, the Super Bowl that was here not one but two years ago, and you were just bringing so much creativity and so many creative ideas uh, to the newsroom every day. I remember after you left, your name was spoken with the most reverent, reverent tones in our <laughs> newsroom. Uh, like, boy, Chris Hansen just inspired us all. And let's, let's be more like Chris Hansen today. I think it only lasted for like a day, but uh, it was quite reverent. And, and, you know, I've always had that reverence for your work. So I'm curious as to, you know, when, at what point do you begin to start thinking about ways to tell a story differently, let's say? Like whether it's, obviously with COVID, you're having to do that all the time, I would imagine. But whether it's using stills or, uh, you know, the cell phone idea or uh, some of the pieces you sent me involved a lot of drone footage. At what point in the conversation does that start to come up with whatever reporter you're paired with? Or if it's just a piece you're working on by yourself, uh, you know, when are you beginning to have those thoughts? Well, I think, um, I think often that, you know, I've been at KUSA for about eight and a half years. And, you know, you, as you, as you have more time in the business and more experience and you've covered more stories, you bring with that a breadth of experience that, you know, you, you've been there before you, it's a little easier to anticipate because you might know what something looks like um, what it feels like. And, you know, that could be totally different when you walk in the door, you know, on a shoot. But um, I think because of that, you're already anticipating what obstacles you might face, or you're, you're looking back on a story and said, you know what, I, I didn't do this well on this previous story. This is an opportunity to have another shot at it. Um and so I think because of that, you're looking at these obstacles or you're looking at things that you want to try. And and really, I think once you start talking to people about what the story is, I remember um, talking to the funeral director um, the day before and, you know, he just wasn't, he wasn't sure how many people would turn out. Um, but, you know, even though he was, he was just one person, he's still doing something and that was important to him. And he felt it was important to Mr. Roy. And this was a conversation you were having with him. This is the conversation I was having with him. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, you know, I'd, it was a different, you know, other homeless veteran funerals um, where they couldn't find family um, where I've covered, where they have huge turnouts and, you know, word got out and they found family and they showed up and are touched by the outpouring of support for their family member who passed. Um, this felt very different. This felt very different. And, um, and so I tried to approach it that way. Um, and as, as far as the black and white went, um, I guess it was kind of just a style 
style choice. What I what I was originally kind of trying to do was I knew I'd be possibly shooting inside at the funeral home and then out at Fort Logan and and really it was kind of a thought of trying to have some visual continuity between the two. And and that's kind of how I thought about it. And I, I do want to jump back to one thing. The fact that you had that conversation with the funeral director, I think is important here because I think in a lot of teams of reporter and photojournalist, it is the reporter who is doing most of the talking with, you know, beforehand with anybody that's going to be interviewed or anybody that's, uh, you know, who's, whose house or whose grounds you're going to enter. And a lot of times what I've seen is the reporter will will essentially convey any questions from the photojournalist and then, you know, convey those responses back. And I think it's important to note that you take an active role, not just in the shooting of the story, in the editing of the story, but in the reaching out before you even get on the ground. Yeah, and this, this story I shot, I was by myself for it. So I gathered everything solo and you know at the at the end of it talked to chris and thought oh this could this could use a right is chris is he available you know kind of talked it through with him and he was available and interested and and i kind of thought that just from what the sound i gathered that a right would be helpful Mm -hmm. now that makes a lot more sense but still I, i think an important thing and um i know one of the stories that you and i worked on together uh way back when in the in the distant past of, you know, a year and a half ago now, uh, (laughs) was down in Houston, Texas. And it was you and Chris, it was Boyd Hoopert and Devin Krinky of uh, Care TV, and it was me working alone. Uh, And we all combined for a story about the funeral train ride for George H.W. Bush, uh, President George H.W. Bush down in Houston. And that was another one where, you know, I... I work alone most of the time, so usually it's just me brainstorming on a sheet of paper and in my head and and trying to figure it all out by myself. And I was so taken by the amount of conversations we had beforehand about just planning. And before we even got to the shoot, the video we wanted to capture, what we would each need from the other, uh, everything logistically on it. So it sounds like that is a big part of how you're able to do a lot of the things you do and how you're able to come up with a lot of the creative ideas you come up with. Yeah. I mean, the more, the more time and effort that you can take to prepare yourself for, for a story and get it and getting out the door, um, the easier it's going to be to, to either things are going to go just as you planned, which usually isn't the case, but you're going to be able to pivot and, and change with the story much, much easier having having spent the time to think it through. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Chris Hansen of KUSA-TV in Denver. Remarkable photojournalist. And Chris, for this final section of the podcast, I always like to use this as an advice section for younger storytellers. And I'd love for you to just give the, the quick version of your career and where you started, how you got into it, and what were the things that happened early on in your career that really helped pave the way for you? Um, So I started at KSTP-TV in Minneapolis in, I've been, I was hired there in 2009. Um, It was a full-time temporary gig working overnights 
for a photographer who was out with a back injury. Um, it went from six weeks to about three months and then somebody retired and that's when I got a full-time position, um, which was great, which was great. It was great to start there and worked mornings, mornings. So I got a lot of reps running a live trucks, turning Vosats, turning a package every day for the 11 AM after doing something completely different all morning. Um, so it was great cause I got a lot of reps, a lot of reps. Um, I think one thing I did there at KSTP was I would watch a lot of uh, raw footage. Um, Jason Hansen's a great photographer there. I would see a story that he did the night before and wonder how in the world, like he's a great editor too. And how in the world did he do this or that? And what did it look like in the field? And so I just go back through his raw video and I'd watch it and I'd study it and I'd try to get, um, put myself in his shoes and try to think, what is he thinking? What is he hearing that is causing him to make a change or to, to get out ahead of something? What, what is he hearing that's helping him anticipate? What is he seeing? Um, so that was, that was one thing that really helped me along there. Um, I then, um, then one, one thing I had at KSTP, which was great, um, when I went full time, we hired this guy named John Thane out of Duluth. He's now at KTVA in Anchorage. Um, and then after John was hired, we hired this guy, Chad Nelson um, <laughs> from Fargo. Um, and Chad Nelson of now Care 11. Um, the photo and, photographer and editor of the year this year. Yes. Uh, For the he, MPPA. We, we just had such a great time because I felt like we were all pretty young. We were all pretty eager. We were all learning. And we, I guess we kind of found, found the people we worked with whose work we admired. And then it was just so fun to see what they did and then try to do, try to do something better or try to do something, try something different. And I really felt there was a camaraderie there between the three of us that we all, that really just made our work better and really helped us grow. Um, and then I've been, I came out to KUSA um, in 2012. Um, and, you know, really from there, from, from being at nine news, I, I would say that you're never, you're never uh, experienced enough not to have somebody else look at your work. Hmm. you know i think it's important for people to to find mentors in the business um and mentors with different skill sets you know i think that's a that's a huge part in 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 growing and continuing to grow as a journalist and of course kusa the large market station of the year uh this year in the mppa's best of photojournalism awards a testament and not that one was needed, but a testament to the just tremendous station culture for photojournalism and storytelling that exists there. I wanted to ask you, Chris, you know, you're someone who is really admired in the, in the broadcast photojournal in video journalism world. And I'm sure you watch a lot of work by younger photojournalists and people who ask you for critiques. What is one thing that you notice is missing in 
the work that you're seeing or one thing that you feel like could be done better in the work that you're seeing? That's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, I have to think on this for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think, I certainly think one, one thing that as um, broadcasters as a whole, um, we, we can be doing whether it's young, old, or where we are is just um, finding more diversity in stories, finding more diversity in the people we talk to, the the experts we use. Um, you know, really, really, I guess being critical of ourselves and and the voices that um, that we share. It's a great point. And not only will that be the subject of the, the next podcast episode uh, to come out after yours, I'll be interviewing Kainaz Amaria, who's the visuals editor at Vox, and she focuses on that subject quite a bit. But that'll also be a big part of the upcoming video storytelling workshop uh, that we'll be doing virtually in a couple of weeks, talking about representation in storytelling and how we go about that and what we can do uh, whether you're a reporter, a solo video journalist, a photojournalist, a manager, uh, how to make representation more of a priority in our work. So kudos to that, and and, uh, and I'm glad you said that because it's a subject that uh, doesn't get talked about enough, and I'm excited to see it talked about a little bit at the workshop in a couple of weeks. Chris, um, that's all I have for you, but I always like to end with that famous reporter's question. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? Well, I think I think I'll go back to uh, just y- younger journalists to find someone's work they admire and reach out to them. That's that's um, something I found that's beautiful in this business is people's uh, ability to give back and um, realize. You know, I think they know that they were once younger and less experienced and had someone they could ask questions to and, you know, reach out to them, reach out to them and, and try to, if you're trying to improve, there are people out there to help you do that. Absolutely. And you've always been one to do that. And Chris, thank you for all you do. And Chris Hansen, thank you so much for joining me on the telling the story podcast. Matt Pearl. Thank you. Don't forget you can hear Chris and 23 other talented speakers at the NPPA virtual video storytelling workshop coming Friday, August 7th, Saturday, August 8th. Sign up now at nppa.org or through the link in the show notes for this episode. The Telling the Story blog updates every week. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher Smart Radio. Check out my book, The Solo Video Journalist. Thank you to Jazar for the theme music. Thanks to Chris Hansen for joining me as my guest. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.